Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Coming up on today's Better Together. In the world of trauma healing, they say the mind that can see itself can heal itself. Now notice, they don't say the person that can fix you can heal you. The shaman that can fix you can heal you. They say the mind that can see itself can heal itself. We have to start learning how to look at ourselves. Yes. And I, my regular guy take on that is, I always say, if you can recognize a problem, you're halfway there to solving it. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Manu. Hello, Heel Squad. It's Better Together with Maria Menunos, And yes, as you can tell, I am not Maria Menunos. I'm Mr. Maria Menunos. Kevin Undergaro sitting in for my beautiful and talented wife. Another great show. Uh, for me, another great day at school. <laughs> where I just learned so much. And some of these quotes that our guests give us, I have to say, Kelsey, they, they knock the wind out of me. Right. The old 20th century... Boston guy wants to say, what a knee to the balls. But on your show, I will not say that. I will just say, they just knock the wind out of me. So listen to this one. Two wolves stand on your shoulders. One is fear. The other is love. The one who wins is the one you feed. I mean. Right? Is that just me? No. Right? I read that and was like, holy Jesus. Yeah. And that is from Ryan Weiss. And if you want to know who Ryan is, Ryan Weiss may be one of LA's premier life coaches, but the road there is just as unique as Ryan's teachings. A young dancer who was cast in Broadway's Wicked, Ryan performed for four years before returning to his hometown of Los Angeles. There, Ryan began a successful career at a popular talent agency, but found himself feeling unfulfilled emotionally. Spending his entire life chasing after goals made him feel empty. Once he reached them, after a life-changing encounter with a life coach, Ryan discovered that he could become his true self while helping others. 
Since then, Ryan has developed his own unique spin on advice by creating the daily mail, daily email chain, Waking Up With Ryan. Sent to thousands of eager readers, Waking Up With Ryan helps the everyday person start their mornings with intention and purpose. Better to get in the Heel Squad, we are proud to welcome Mr. Ryan Weiss to our show. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. Um, Ryan, can we talk about the two wolves? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a Cherokee teaching. I wish I could take credit for it. Um, my God, I, I guess I would want to start with acknowledging that we're born learning how to feed that fear wolf. We're born into a world that, um, well, we're born in as sponges and we just absorb the information around us from parents, from our education system, from our economy. And that system is rooted in the thoughts, forms of fear. It's rooted in separation, um, which then breeds competition. Um, it feeds into our not enoughness. Um, it feeds into a, a fierce emotional avoidance, which is really the work that I'm focused on now. Um, this unconscious way that we avoid our emotional life because we're afraid that we won't be loved if we feel our pain, our sadness, our anger, which are all natural human emotions. Um, and so we learn how to feed this fear wolf and it becomes really overpowering. And we don't even realize that, that we become adults that who um, listen to that wolf all the time, all whether the time. it's in an argument with our partner or an argument with our bodies, um, the shame that begins to spiral. And then we create our lives from that place. And so I'm really interested in how do we start feeding that good wolf? How do we start shifting and reparenting ourselves and learning to nurture our emotional life and find safety and sanctuary and allowing ourselves to be exactly as we are, exactly as we are without needing to change ourselves for anybody so that we can learn to serve our own needs and more fully be the love that we're capable of being. So Ryan, let, let's go back to, you know, ch for your childhood which I think other people will relate to where the fears, like you said, the fears are implanted in us. Cause as you were talking, I was thinking of, you know, my fears about uh, money, future, all of that stuff was ingrained in me from parent society, just how it was. No, no blame for anyone who did it. What were some of the fears that were implanted into you, you know, that is kind of now in your DNA that you're trying to undo? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of this work in my own trauma healing and kind of internal family systems healing work and therapy and looking at the ways I learned that I needed to perform all the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> which obviously ended up with a career in yes. Broadway entertainment. So how did you have to perform? Was it, it can, for, for your family? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, they mean well. Um, they did the best they could. I love them tremendously. And can I use a four-letter word yes, on the show? Yes, yes, So they did the best they could, and they fucked me up, right? <laughs> All of our parents, we can hold both truths at the same time. Sometimes yes. we're, we're so defensive of our parents that we just go, well, they did the best they could, and we end the sentence there, and we don't acknowledge the ways that our early, print, our early imprints fucked us up. Um, you know, if I look back at early childhood videos, I'm a triplet. All three of us were always, like, on a stage, whether it was just a step in the living room, we were always decked out in costumes. We were always performing. Mm -hmm. um, and I know my parents are going to listen to this. And again, I love them tremendously. But I see with my nieces and nephews the way when the little kid is in the room, it's always tell us the joke. Mm -hmm. Count to 10. Mm -hmm. Speak the word in Spanish. It's like this constant put on a show uh, right. without the energy of let's just be together. Yeah. Without having to perform, just let's just be together. And what I also learned, you know, both of my parents are also um, survivors of childhood trauma, that they didn't know how to heal and their parents before them and, and their parents before them. And so my parents, again, stressed, busy, money, trying to raise a family, two older kids and triplets, um, their own relational challenges. There was a lot of stress in the household. Mm -hmm. So I also learned really young not to add to that stress. And what I learned was if I feel pain, fear, sadness, anger, which are all things I was feeling, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Um, we hear about the stories of, of children of Jewish people in Eastern Germany and Eastern Europe um, at the rise of the Holocaust and these stories about how these babies were crying before Hitler even invaded. There was this onslaught of babies crying. We are energy beings that feel pre-verbal. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. We're feeling everything. So if I'm a long, young little child and feeling the stress of the household and the stress of the world and the anxiety of my parents, that brings up a, a deep fear that I don't feel safe, right? Because my parents are here. When I'm newborn, I can't run from a predator. I can't feed myself. I can't nurture myself. I can't clean a wound. 100% of my survival is dependent upon my primary parents. And so I need them to come closer so that I can survive. It's, you know, they say every child is born a narcissist. Mm -hmm. I'm the center of the universe mm -hmm. and everyone serves to uh, exist to serve me. So if I notice that mom, dad, whoever the primary parents are, are stressed, worried, anxious, I certainly don't want to add to their stress because it can make them go away, which can threaten my survivability. So I learned just like we all learned at a really young age, not only to not communicate my fears, my sadnesses, my angers, my cries. And I learned if I'm not going to communicate them, I probably shouldn't feel them. And so I learned this unconscious process of emotional avoidance where instead of feeling my feelings, I go up into my head. I think about what's happening. Why is this happening? What is it going to mean about the future? Why, you know, why does it happen to me and not them? And I go up into my thoughts mm -hmm. when in reality, there's this explosion of emotion that's happening inside of me. Yeah. It's a part of me, a really young part of me that wasn't nurtured, that that wasn't loved, that needs my love right now, but I ignore it instead of tending to it, mainly because I still, as an adult, believe that if I feel my feelings, that I won't survive, that literally my feelings might kill me because it makes people go away. So I'd rather abandon my own needs to meet the needs of others. This is codependency. Mm -hmm. This is what creates anxiety, et cetera. And yeah, and it makes sense that it would create anxiety because you, you're anxious all the time that if you're going to show a real feeling that you're going to be rejected or hurt someone else or, yeah, or end up alone. Well, yeah. And going into anxiety, I think this is an, an interesting, um, obviously with the pandemic, we saw a major rise in anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking to my Instagram and doing live streams about this all the time. And I was trying and, and consistently I'm trying to reframe anxiety for people. Um, one of the things that I like to say is I don't, I don't see anxiety as a feeling. I see anxiety as what happens in the body when we don't feel. So anxiety is the feeling that we're not feeling. So what happens is there's some kind of a, uh, some kind of a trigger, something dysregulates us. There's an explosion of emotion inside the body, like a volcano erupting in the body. And because we think, I can't feel this, I don't know how to feel this, no one ever taught me how to feel this, mom, dad didn't know how to nurture me, hold space, um, allow the feeling to be here and nurture me with that feeling. So I don't know how to do any of that for myself. So there's this explosion of emotions in my adult body. I want to avoid it at all costs, so I go up into my head, right? When I go up into my head, it doesn't mean the explosion of emotion isn't still rising up. It's still pushing up. But in my head, I'm pushing those emotions down. 
So there's a counter force happening. There's a rising up of emotion and there's this unconscious avoidance where I'm pushing the emotion down. And so there's this tension that happens, a forward mo uh, motion going up, a motion going down, and where those are meeting, it creates a tension. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what anxiety is. Mm. That tension of avoiding the emotion. So, and again, because there's so many subjects I want to cover with you, let's stick with that anxiety. What, what do we do when that, that's because mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense. So up comes the emotion and our brain goes, no, push it down. And now we've become this pressure cooker and either it manifests itself in physical illness, as I'm sure you know, or you, who knows, you react or just snap. Then you blow a yeah. gasket, right? Because, so what do we do when, when such a, right? Such a good question. Yeah. Um, so I'll use this example. There's this video that went viral of a young father who videotaped a, um, his, I think, probably two-year-old, maybe year-and-a-half-old daughter having a temper tantrum, a complete emotional fit. Now, when I think about my early childhood and the way most parents are, um, parents are stressed, the child's having a tantrum, yes. it adds to the parent's stress, yep. and so they want to make the stress stop. So whatever they can do to pacify the child, to get the child to stop feeling so that they don't have, so that the parent doesn't have to feel. So what do we do? We pacify when I was a kid or here's a bottle or now this day and age, here's a screen. That's just right. distract, yeah. just distract yourself from the emotion. Right. What does that child learn? That child learns I should distract myself from my emotional life. Okay. Mm. What this dad did in this video, though, which is so powerful, and I'll send you all the link after we, after we wrap, if you want to share it with your audience, love to. is he videotaped a 45-minute temper tantrum of his three-year-old daughter. And what it shows is, I mean, she is in a rage. She is angry. She is crying. She's screaming. And he's just sitting there. And he's just holding space. And she's on the floor and kicking and screaming. He's not distracted. He's not looking at his phone. He's not worrying about his work. He's not taking a phone call. He's not telling her to, it's okay. It's okay. He's not telling her to stop, right? He's not constraining her. He's not strapping her into a stroller and taking her for a walk. He's just holding space so beautifully that at one point, even she's like on her belly and her little legs are kicking the floor. Um, this is going to make me cry. And he slips his hands underneath her shins mm. so, that he, so that she'll kick his hands instead of the floor. And not hurt herself. And not hurt herself. Right. And eventually, however many minutes, 40 minutes into this temper tantrum, she looks at him and she falls into his arms. And he just holds her, holds her, holds her when she's ready to be consoled and to be held and to be loved. But to think about that whole process, what the father was um, exemplifying, he was creating a safe space. He was communicating non-verbally. She doesn't understand language yet. He was communicating to her non-verbally. You are safe to feel all of this and I'm not going anywhere. You can't make me go away. I will be here. I will hold the space. I will keep you safe. Mm -hmm. This can be on your timeline. You are the priority right now. You get to feel all of this. And I'll be here when you need me. Come to me when you need me. I will always be here. And what that little being gets to learn, that little child gets to learn, I'm safe to feel all of this. It won't make dad or mom or anybody go away. I can communicate it and they can hold space for all of me. Whereas most of us adults learn people can only love parts of me. People only love the parts of me that are good, that are pretty, that are successful, that are happy, that are quote positive, which is such a toxic bullshit in the spiritual world. Yeah. It's a lot of spiritual bypass that we learn in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think what that father is showing us is that what we really need is to live in a world where we know how to love all of everyone. So and so, go ahead and continue, Ryan. Yeah, just to to wrap that up, going back to your question. So, what do we do? How do we 
kind of fix this emotional avoidance? Well, there is no quick fix. Any quick fix is not your answer. It's literally a retraining of our system to go from an unconscious emotional avoidance into a process of learning that when a trigger happens, I can use a conscious process to one, feel what I'm feeling, make space for it, two, let it be here, which is the opposite of what we normally do. We normally reject our emotional life so we can learn to allow it to let it be here. And three, ask it, this hurt place inside of me right now, it's an expression that I have a need, right? So if, I'm, if there's a little kid that's crying out, they're not just doing that for no reason. They have a need. Maybe they're afraid because they're feeling a lot of stress. Well, what, is the, what do they need? They need to feel safe. How can then, right? So, so this place inside of me that's having this emotional reaction, there's a need here. And the big, I think the, the, the um, insanity of our species is that we think we don't have needs. We reject our needs and we don't address our needs. But the thing is, our needs don't go away. They just come out sideways. They come out as attack, as defense. They come out as judgment. They come out as war. They come out as, and they're all it is, is we have a deep human need. And we have two main human needs. I need to know that I'm loved and I need to know that I'm safe. And so then once we can find what that need is in that emotional reaction, then we can ask ourselves, how can I give myself that need? So as adults in relationships, we tend to think, because we don't know how to meet our own needs, that it's my partner's responsibility to meet my needs. You need to make me feel special. You need to make me feel seen. You need to make me feel loved. You need to make me feel that I matter. Yes. Which is true. There's truth to that. We do need that in connection. But We'll never get that if we leave the one person out who can actually meet those needs consistently, which is ourselves. So we start to learn how to nurture ourselves. We start to learn how to meet our needs. And that can be really practical, like, oh, I need to feel loved. Well, how can I nurture myself to help feel loved right now? Maybe I can give myself a hug and just say to myself, oh, Ryan, you're so good. You're such a good person. You do so much. You're so kind, right? I can remind myself of kind things about myself or I could drink some water or I could take myself on a walk. I think the big problem with the world of spirituality right now mm -hmm. is that we go too quickly to the nurturing, right? So it's like, just be grateful. Gratitude's wonderful, mm -hmm. but it skips over the steps of, wait, the first three steps of what am I feeling? And can I let that pain be here? And can I ask it some questions? Then I can get to the nurturing. Because the healing, you know, it's like um, Carl Jung said, healing happens by making the unconscious conscious. When we can, when we can bring up our pain. Yes. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. In the world of trauma healing, they say the mind that can see itself can heal itself. Now notice, they don't say the person that can fix you can heal you. The shaman that can fix you can heal you. They say the mind that can see itself yep. can heal itself. Yeah, my, so we have to start learning how to look at ourselves. Yes. And I, my, my regular guy take on that is, I always say, if you can recognize a problem, you're halfway there to solving it. 
So, but it comes with that awareness. And like you're saying, um, being able to see yourself. And I, I, I love if you can go over those, the needs of, you know, am I love, am I safe? Dr. Amen, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a brain doctor and, um, he has these things where he makes you run through five, these, these, I think it's like five questions to ask yourself to define an absolute truth. So let's say I, I don't feel safe right now. I lost my job and I, you know, I'm going to end up broke. I'm never going to eat again. I'm never going to get another job. You know, he runs you through a process where you can't actually prove that any of that's true. So that's kind of like a conscious way of, of getting to the safety. Um, just, just throwing that out there. Uh, but I, 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 I love the idea of the needs and I think you're right. It's so much of fear and not feeling safe where people, um, I'm sure you've dealt with adults who've had tantrums or kind of close to those kind of meltdowns. And so what do you do? Your partner, your friend, someone who works for you, you know, you see them having these meltdowns. Yeah. So if you had met me 11 years ago when I started my coaching practice, I probably would have got kind of like recited spiritual ideology to them. (laughs) I would have tried to fix them. I would have said, you should do this or you should believe this. I would have quoted A Course in Miracles. I would have, um, now I know, again, through my own personal trauma healing work that people need two things in order to heal. One is a safe space to share their story and Mm -hmm. share their feelings, to talk about their experience. So AKA to feel, (laughs) they need a safe space. And the second thing they need is validation of their emotions. So when I have um, a client or a friend or somebody who's in an emotional turbulent, one, I have to pay attention to my own reactivity to it. I have to pay attention to making sure that I'm opening my heart to listen to their cries Mm -hmm. so that I can actually respond with compassion and understanding because oftentimes other people's emotions are really overwhelming for us. And again, just like that parent, we want to find a way to shut them off so that we don't have to feel the discomfort that's arising inside of us. Yeah. Right. So that's where well-meaning friends are like, well, you should just try this meditation or have you read this book? Well-meaning, well-meaning, but it's actually, yeah, it's spiritual bypass. It's, it's trying to get them to stop so that you don't have to be uncomfortable so that I don't have to be uncomfortable. So my job is to create a safe space for them to be able to share while I open my heart. I let my heart break open to feel into what they must be feeling in my own experience and then relate by validating their emotions. I can relate. Oh yeah. Wow. I really hear that you're feeling anxious and sad. Right. And then once that safe space is created, then I can take them through an exercise to examine what's really going on. Yes. So as you said before about Dr. Amen, in the moment they're believing all these thoughts about he said this and this is what happened and yep. I'm not going to make the money. And, but that's all coming from a much deeper wound. So if we can start to examine what's underneath that, what am I believing? What am I feeling? And what is the need? Then we can get to the nurturing. And then hopefully the next time there's a, attack right next mm-hmm. time there's a, a a a wound that's getting pressed so some of the things i always like to say is you know we have this expression of they're pushing my button why are you pushing my button <laughs> stop pushing my button and we want to get people away from us yes. who push our buttons right yes and so i imagine that we have one of those big you know staples red buttons on our right right on our heart <laughs> you know those that you would push yeah. and it would say something yeah. or six of them What'd you say? Or six of six of or them six all over your body. Yeah. In infinite numbers of them all over our body. So I imagine we have like one right in our chest. And when people do or say things that cause a reaction, they're pushing this button. And we spend so much time focusing on the fact that they are pushing my button. Why are they doing this? I wish they weren't doing this. Healing happens when instead we pause and we look down at our chest and we go, oh my God, I have a button. Oof. Mm. Well, I have a button. 
they didn't give me this button. <laughs> this button's been pushed before I ever met this person before. Maybe it's time for me to start focusing on this button. And if I can attend to this button, maybe over time, I won't have the button to keep getting pushed. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 I love that. So when you do say, oh my God, you're pushing all my buttons or he's pushing my buttons or she's push, pushing my buttons, forget the focus on them and focus on the fact that you have these buttons. What are these buttons? Why do you have them? And let's maybe remove these buttons so there's no other buttons to push. Yeah. <clears throat> it's brilliant. Yeah. And if you are going to focus on them at all, a nice switch would be, and this is like some enlightened shit, a nice switch would be, thank you for pushing my button because you're showing me that I have a button mm -hmm. and I'm trying to heal. Love that. So in this moment, you are my teacher. That's a really hard place Oof. to get to. The likelihood is we will not be able to touch into that when we're in the storm, which is why it's really important that when the button is pushed, maybe the only thing we're able to do is bite our tongue, right? So it's funny, Kelsey messaged me this morning about a video that I put up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I do all these mm -hmm. live streams. I saw it, yeah. Them. Oh, you did? I did. I loved it. Yeah. So what happens typically is our buttons get pushed. We feel, as I said before, all this pain. We don't want to feel that pain. And so we go into a posture of defending ourselves. And as soon as we defend ourselves, we, by definition, have to be attacking another. Have That's to. how we defend ourselves. Have to. Have to. This is, yeah. I mean, like, is this not our country? Mm. Is yeah. this not Twitter? World. That's it. Have to. Mm -hmm. Must attack. And we're doing it in the name of self-defense, like that's some kind of righteous thing. Mm -hmm. but ultimately, we're defending ourselves because we're believing we're not safe. Mm. And there's a line in a, text, in a text that I study called The Course in Miracles. I remember reading this, this line like 11 years ago and being like, what the heck does this mean? But I know it's true. It says, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. So if I'm defending mm. myself, the only reason I'm defending myself is because I'm believing I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are being physically attacked by somebody, hell yes, you are not safe in that <laughs> yes. moment. No. Defend yourself. That, that is, you need your limbic response. You need your sympathetic nervous system right. to kick in and run or fight or freeze. That is not what I'm talking yeah. about here. <clears throat> right? But 99.99999% of our experiences, we're not believing we're safe but we truly are safe. But because we're not believing we're safe when they say that thing or that bill comes in the mail or that um, divorce filing comes in or whatever happens, um, we're believing we're not safe. And so of course we go into a posture of defending ourselves and the ego works to, I'm going to defend myself by attacking another. Mm -hmm. And again, I go into the whole story about what they did and how dare they. And yes, but the only thing I'm truly defending myself from is me having to feel the discomfort that's happening inside my body, right? So the opportunity for healing comes from separating myself from the story of what they just said to me and pausing. That's why I say, maybe sometimes the best thing I can do is biting my tongue, mm -hmm. right? Because if I don't bite my tongue, they're going to do the thing that they do, say the thing that they say. I am going to feel this pain inside of me that I want to defend myself from. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to spray back at them the first thing that comes to mind to hurt them a little bit worse than they hurt me. Ooh. And now we're wound on wound because now they yeah. feel attacked. Lower. Totally. They defend, they attack yeah. back. And now we're just wound on lower wound consciousness. On yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I love the idea of instead pause, take it. And I know it hurts, but then ask yourself, why, why does this hurt me so much? And then I think it is the childhood things and it's the, you know, why do you, why, you know, as you tell me this and I think of the times I have felt like that, I'm reflecting back on my own life and where, yeah, it really wasn't so much about what they were saying. It was definitely about the buttons that I had and why, and I know I can tell why I have those buttons. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. It's very interesting. And Kelsey, hold your thought. I will. I want to uh, just back up. So I want to clarify something because when Ryan said, because I think we're all in these positions where we have people that are suffering terribly from anxiety and we want to help them. Um, I like how you said you validate their emotions, but you may, you're not validating their, the story or the facts, because you, as you know, oftentimes their perception is not necessarily accurate and maybe what they're offended of or they're hurt by didn't really happen like they believed it did or whatever, but they still are feeling this pain and this suffering. So you acknowledge that. Like, I, I understand you're in pain, you're anxiety. You're not saying, yeah, you're right, they suck. Or yes, you totally got screwed. You're not. So I just want to be clear that there's a difference with what Ryan is saying. It's about validating the emotions in that moment. And that's what that person needs in that moment. Um, and then what the next phase is where, you know, then we start to try to establish some clarity. Like what really did happen? Is this really true? Is it not? And maybe you don't need to feel this way. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Kelsey, what were you going to say? Oh, I was, well, if Ryan wants to respond to that, I'm totally, totally open. But I just wanted to go back to the, um, the need to defend yourself to something I really loved, Ryan, that you said in that video was that our reactive brain tells us stories. Oh, does it? And it's, I was like, holy cow, yes, it does. Can you elaborate on that? And you have a little bit, but I just think that that's No, so, I want to hear more. Oof, oof, yeah. Yeah. We've been building stories. We're storytelling machines. Oh, we're the best. <laughs> right? It's one of the most incredible things about our species, but everything that's amazing and, and filled with light has a shadow side. Everything. Everything. Right? So even our willingness to give of ourselves and to serve people has a shadow side when yeah. it means we're abandoning our own needs to meet the needs of others. So we're storytelling machines. We're meaning-making machines. Um, and we develop stories for our, from our whole life. And oh, we yes. develop stories, again, also when we're pre-verbal. That's, you know, they say that the subconscious mind, which is in charge of our thoughts until we make it conscious, um, was fully developed before the age of seven. So essentially, we're reliving in the present moment everything that happened to us before we're seven, yep. right? And if we didn't have enlightened masters for parents, which none of us did, um, those stories that we tell are rooted in fear. They're rooted in separation, separation from our source, separation from life, separation from nature. They're rooted in the belief that I am a small and separate thing and that I can only rely on my own strength which when you live on a planet of billions of people to only be able to rely on your own strength is like a child being separated from their parent at an amusement park, as Marianne Williamson likes to say, mm -hmm. like imagine this little kid walking around and having a jolly old time with their parents and looking at all the rides and costumes. And then somehow that little three-year-old kid loses their parents. Imagine the way the Mickey Mouse turns into a monster in that moment. Mm -hmm. Imagine the way they look up at that thing that looked look like a beautiful mountain called the Mount Matterhorn that now looks like this doom and gloom. I'm separate. I'm separate from my creators. I'm separate from the people who support me, who, who help me. And that's a really scary place to be. And the majority of our stories are rooted in I'm small and separate and I can only defend myself. And so what I'm interested in is how do we start to shift those stories, not just through changing our thoughts? That's, that's a result of starting to create a safer space within ourself where we start to hold safe space for the hurt parts of ourselves 
as I said before, to let them be here to nurture them. Um, because guess what happens when we do that? <laughs> we start to become our own universe. We start to become, so if God, if the universe is love and beauty and light, well, if, okay, so let's go on this tangent for a moment. If God, the universe, which truly creates us all, which created our parents and their parents and their parents, mm -hmm. is if that creator, the truest creator, is all love and trauma is defined by any moment in our life when we weren't being nurtured or weren't being loved, okay, follow this tangent, trauma equals any moment in our life when we weren't being nurtured, when we weren't being loved, that would mean that trauma is any moment that a person treats us in a way that's different from how God would treat us. Trauma is when a person treats us in a way that's different from how this universe would love us. Mm. And so we, through our childhood, develop a story that the universe doesn't love us, the universe doesn't nurture us, because we grew up in a world where people don't know how to love and nurture us. The closest thing we have in our physical life to a creator is our parents. And so we end up subconsciously projecting our experience of our parents, which create beliefs about our parents. They can't support me. They're stressed. They don't know how to love me here. They judge. <clears throat> we end up projecting those beliefs onto the ultimate creator, onto the universe. So we learn about a judgmental universe, a spiteful universe, a universe that punishes us. But that's not true. That's a load of crap. The universe is breathing us. The universe is giving us a planet that's feeding us. The universe has created a sun in the sky to warm our bodies. We can commit horrible acts of atrocity. We can murder people in war. We can judge other people. And at the same time as doing all that, quote, bad stuff, the universe is still breathing us. The universe isn't taking anything from me. I am still being loved no matter how good or bad I am being. And so what I'm interested in is how do we start to become the loving presence that the universe is? How do we start to become that for ourselves? How do we literally experience I can expand my sense of self so that I can hold all the parts of myself that I learned I'm not supposed to like, that I learned makes people go away? How can I expand myself more to become that loving universe for all the parts of me? And that's the story that I'm interested in, in, and, in, in learning. And again, you've already said there's no quick way to do that. Mm -mm. But what are some of the basic tips to yeah. get there? Yeah. So a big one is our self-care practices. Um, at the beginning of the year, I created this free mental health challenge called the Sanctuary Challenge, which is a 60-day commitment to five daily self-care practices. Um, so I think self-care is anything we do throughout the day to slow down and nurture ourselves. So this universe is here to love us. And the universe is moving at this like slow, consistent, reliable pace. The universe is like a cello. It's like this legato symphony. Yet, <laughs> we are born into the world learning, if I am to succeed, be loved, accepted, etc., I have to move fast, get the education, get the job, make the money, buy the house, get the relationship, have the kids, so that I can be loved and accepted in the future, so that I can know that my life mattered. Yeah. And that's a super fast pace. You can hear it in my voice. That's a super fast pace. I joke that that's like going to a rave in Miami and taking MDMA and listening to that fast paced music. And we're living at that fast pace. And we're wondering why we feel so disconnected from life, from God, from the universe. It's because we need to learn to slow down and nurture ourselves so that we can meet the rhythm of life that's literally right here for us, right? The healing we seek is closer to us than our very breath our worthiness our enoughness it's right here it was never taken from us we have to learn to slow down and meet it so the sanctuary challenge 
it's five ways throughout the day to nurture ourselves um, through self-care. So it's a 20-minute guided morning meditation, 30 minutes of moving your body, exercising. The third is healthy eating, which to me just means eating more food that comes from the earth. Mm -hmm. The fourth is an exercise or a ritual that I call goddess time. Hmm. No matter your gender, if you prefer the word relaxation time, that's perfect too. Goddess time is a ritual at the end of our work day, our mom day, our dad day, our looking for work day, our social media scrolling day, um, to shut off our technology somewhere around like the 5, 6 p.m. time to turn off. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. On a bath, if you have a bathtub. Love a bathtub. Or love a bath. Or if you don't have a bathtub, put your feet up a wall for 20 minutes. Put on some beautiful music. Mm -hmm. Disconnect from technology. Drop into that receiving mode, right? Because again, the universe is right here for us. But if we're always running, we're always running away from it. So we actually have to learn the art of doing nothing so that we can meet the universe where it is. And then the fifth and final commitment is getting eight hours of sleep a night. So we have to start with our self-care practices. A hundred percent. And I think the quiet time as we continue to learn on this show, and I see even with my wife, um, that's when all the cool stuff happens. That's when you, you get the awareness and you start seeing like, Hey, this is for me. This is not for me. This is good for me. This isn't, this person is good. This one isn't, you start seeing the ideas, everything comes to you that way. And unfortunately, I, I always say 20th century, but I feel like the 20th century practice is just, I was just taught, just work harder. Everything was just work harder. Everything was like, if you were depressed, it was like, you know what, just get up and work. And by the way, in, in the short run, it, it, it served me. And then in the long run, it doesn't so much. Right now. I love I love the self care practices as a I think as a means and I think yeah five five times a day would be amazing but maybe it's just two or three I think for some people some people I know Ryan just one mm-hmm. yeah yeah just you got to start where you're at yeah. I think that's an important caveat that I want to share which is sometimes people hear a sixty day commitment and five daily self care practices and they're like whoa that's way too much so what we say is just start with one yeah yeah see how it goes for a week. We have lots of tools on the website. We have an accountability tracker. We're encouraging people to do this and have accountability through community, right? Because how many times have we committed our new year's resolution and we make the commitment to ourselves, whatever it is, the diet, the gym, whatever. And then it's super easy to break the commitment to ourselves. Yes. But if you make the commitment in community, we suggest people have daily um, WhatsApp or text messaging thread where every morning, once you go on your phone, you just jump into your thread and say, and whether this, so we suggest you do it with friends, family, coworkers. Um, but we also have seen there's a lot of people who don't have people in their lives. We see it all the time. That's right. Like, look at you and your family, Ryan. You know, like we, we hear from a lot of our healers and our experts uh, and super successful people. They were kind of the giraffe in the zoo. Yes. Their head was way up above everyone. They, no one got them. So I love your community or finding your own a, a like-minded community who are also on the journey. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. And you can check in and say to them, well, I did this today. And they may have a self-help practice that you go, oh, wait, I can, I can do that. I can make myself a tea and and listen to this YouTube app or, you know, this YouTube meditation um, video. I, I Yeah, I really, I think that's great to give that kind of accountability. I, I, I think I know a lot of people, Ryan, um, I don't think I don't think Maria knows 
any self-care practices. Honestly, I, I don't, it's all work. And no matter what she, even when she's in therapy or meditation, it's still work. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to share this with her. I, I think there's a lot of people who don't do anything for actual I, self-care. And I think when you so consciously you. think of it, Ryan, just even think of this, I'm, if, and to our audience, if you can just think of one, like one act, I'm just gonna give two minutes, five minutes, it, it's just me. Right. It's something for me, and that's it, and it's not negotiable. And by the way, get up to five, great. I think there's guilt with it, Ryan, unfortunately. Right. I know a lot of people are so guilty over that, but you're going to get better for you and for everyone else by doing it. And I, I, Ryan, I like what you said, too, even like I actually wrote it on my hand. I forgot how much I love legs up the wall legs up the wall and you said you can turn on music because so often we're told like there it has to be silence or it has to be some sort of meditation or this or that mm-hmm. and I, it's like no just just stop just stop put your legs up the wall you can listen to whatever music you want that makes mm-hmm. you happy it's just the stopping and i think that like that one thing is so easy for everyone to do you can do that once a day yeah would you would you consider this because it, it, it involves wine and the toxicity of alcohol? But I knew, <laughs> like Kathy Lee Gifford, not to name drop, but what she used to do is when the sun was gonna uh, set, that was the thing. The family's like, nope, nope. She anyone has to stop and go outside mm. and be at the sunset, and she would they drink some wine or whatever. But it was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that like a self care thing? Yeah, again, I mean, anything we do to slow down and nurture ourselves. So I'm not going to be prescriptive um, about how you do that necessarily. I think that these five work in really perfect concert together. Mm -hmm. Each one serves a different purpose. Yeah, yes. Your meditation serves to start the day. The, the, The meditation we created for the Sanctuary Challenge is this like one big check in on how am I today? Right. And we say over and over in the meditation, just check in and don't change anything. This is not a meditation about trying to get better at meditation. This is just a meditation to check in and ask myself, how am I right now? Right? And that's compassion. Mm-hmm. Compassion is the willingness to check in and ask, how am I? What I'm saying to myself in that moment is, I matter. You matter, right. Mm-hmm. I matter. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when I hear you sharing about like Maria or other people who are just in this really hyper consistent work mode, yeah, so much was stress was stress and anxiety mode for Maria. She's worried about her mother, herself, other people's health, yeah. her father. It's it's more that than it is work. Yeah. It's for her. She's not. Um, she's definitely and never was one about success. That's probably one of the biggest misnomers about Maria is that misconceptions. I mean, because she was never about that. But high high anxiety yeah. over everything. Yeah, and know? so what would be really interesting would be to have the opportunity to really look at those really early years of where someone learned that I exist to meet the need to meet the needs of others. Right. So if, so if I'm in an early childhood experience and I see, for example, that mommy's really stressed and again, because I need her to be okay. Why do I need mom to be okay? So that I can be okay. Because if mom's not okay, she won't be able to feed me. She won't be able to care for me. So I need to make sure that she's okay. And what I learned at a really young age is that if you're not okay, I'm not okay. And my job in order for me to be okay is to make sure that you're okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're okay, then I can feel okay. And I do that to such an extent that I will prioritize your okayness. And swallow my not okayness. The word for that is codependency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Codependency is if you're okay, I'm okay. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. So what we need to start learning how to do is to go back to that early young girl, boy, person and become the parent that they didn't have at the time. That's what's really cool about our brains is our brains can't tell the difference between a memory and what's happening in the present moment. So I can go back to an early memory, even if I am making it up, I can go back to an early moment and step in through like experiential therapies, through visioning, through the childhood work, through the childhood wounded work. I can go back and step in. So I'm 36 now. 
I can go and take my 36-year-old self into the room where Ryan was having to perform on the stage and mom was saying, tell this joke, sing this song. And I could go walk up to that little boy and say, how are you right now? Why don't you come with me? And I can take him out of the room and have a conversation with him. And it's wild the amount of healing that happens. But, but the reason I mentioned the self-care practices, you know, I was talking before about that unconscious emotional avoidance. Yes. Mm-hmm. The word unconscious is really important. We don't know that we're doing it because we're in a lifetime habit of avoiding our emotions and going up into our thoughts. So the self-care practices are like the foundation that slow us down enough so that in the present moment in our adult life, when a trigger happens, if I've practiced my self-care and I bring enough awareness to my practices, then I'll have a much better chance of moving the unconscious emotional avoidance of not noticing be going up into my head, I'll have a much better chance of actually noticing, ooh, I'm dysregulated something. I'm dysregulated right now. I'm anxious right now. And if I can just have that one moment of awareness, that's freedom. Because now I have choice. I have choice where I didn't have choice before. And the choice I can make is, can I like bite my tongue? Can I take a deep breath? Can I maybe remove myself from the situation, text my coach, call my therapist, process it in real time, learn how to then communicate with my partner or my mom or my friend to share, hey, this is what happened. This is what I heard was said. This is what then I felt happened inside of me, right? Like, I love you. I want this relationship to be as healthy and loving as possible. Um, And when I heard you say da-da-da-da-da, I felt this intense sadness arise inside of me. And I don't want to feel that with you. And so my request is, right, maybe my request is that you know that I'm a sensitive person who feels a lot. And my request is that we can have some healthier conversation around this or whatever the situation is. So if I can first have compassion for myself, that's the thing about going into that video that I did about defensiveness mm-hmm. is when I'm in defense and when I'm in a defensive posture, meaning I'm going to go attack back, I'm not pausing to have compassion for the part of me that's hurting. And therefore by extension, I'm not having compassion for the part of the person that I'm in conflict with that would cause them to say or do the thing that hurt me. They're not doing it because they're a bad person. They're not actually even doing it because they want to hurt me. They're doing, it's that old adage, hurt people, hurt people, right? They're doing the thing, they're attacking me or what I'm perceiving as an attack because they're defending themselves from their own pain. And you mentioned the giraffe in the zoo. What a beautiful analogy. I've never heard that before. But if we truly want to be the most powerful giraffe in the zoo in this world, if we truly, if I'm truly the person that has my spirituality heads above the rest, then wouldn't it be my job to have compassion for people that don't know how to have compassion for themselves, even if I'm in conflict with you? If I'm in conflict with you and I'm truly a spiritual person, then I see that it's my role to help both of us heal here. Not to become a doormat, not to let you attack me. Oftentimes it means I'm putting up a boundary, right? Um, But I want to live in a world where us and everyone listening to this right now can see that we've all been hurt. We've all not been nurtured. We've all experienced trauma. And we're really a bunch of little babies that never learned the resources to become adults and care for each other. And it's time to become adults. Somebody has to start it. And so sometimes when you, you know, because you went through the process of going back to little Ryan, performing for everybody, you know, parents having you perform, perform, perform. And uh, so you go back in time in your brain, you realize that, that now helps you to maybe understand why you're feeling unsafe or not reacting to situations. So that helps. Is there any other work 
you did or do to beyond just being aware of the traumas little Ryan experienced and, and how adult Ryan now reacts to things based on those traumas. Is there anything you've done in between to, to uh, help healing? Yeah. So I would make a slight edit to, or an addition. Um, cause what I'm hearing is like, you go back, you think about what he was experiencing. Um, you understand what he was experiencing. That is keeping us a little bit on the level of thought, mm-hmm. but that, that staying on the level of thought serves only if we then go down into the level of experience and, and love and nurture as an, as a verb love and nurture the part of me that was wounded. So I just want to add that. And again, we do that through learning to breathe. Mm. We do that through maybe um, doing some sun salutations. We do that through giving ourselves a hug, doing something somatic, something fit, some doing something to love ourselves, to love that part of ourselves. To love little Ryan. You mean, you know, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my additional things, um, my biggest teacher is a text called A Course in Miracles, which is a metaphysical text said to be channeled through Christ consciousness, which for me as a Jewish person who's, uh, my uncle was a very highly esteemed rabbi. All of my five siblings are rabbis and cantors, all of them. Isn't that amazing? Uh, all of them into, into service and giving to others. I think that's a, incredible. But please yeah. continue. Yeah. So for me, finding this text said to be channeled, firstly channeled, like, whoa, 11 <laughs> years ago, or actually 15 years ago when I found A Course in Miracles. Like, what's this channeling thing? Um, but that said to be channeled through Christ. What an interesting. But I opened up that text in the beginning of it. The first page says, this is A Course in Miracles. This is a, it is a required course. Only the time in which you select the curriculum is up to you. Then it says, um, this course doesn't aim to teach the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught, which is so interesting. Mm. How can you learn something that already is? You don't have to learn it. It's just here. You just see it. So it says, this course doesn't aim to teach the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does, however, seek to remove the blocks you hold against the awareness of love's presence. And I saw that and I was like, whoa, same with me. Yes. So that text has been, it's a, it's a text and then 365 lessons and then a teacher's manual. And it's all seeking to have us become more and more aware of how everything we see, we've given the meaning to and starting to peel the meaning that we've given to every person, every plant, every animal, everything we experience has a story like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. We think the stories are true because we've been thinking them our whole lives. And then what does this brain do? Whatever we're experiencing in the present moment, it goes through these files in our mind, which are like so instituted in there because we've been thinking them our whole life. And it just pulls up the most relevant file and the ego speaks first. The ego speaks loudest. The ego is the voice. It's the belief that I am separate. Again, so if I'm small and separate, then I have to defend. I am being attacked at all times. I'm small and separate. I'm not safe. That voice speaks first. It speaks loudest. Yes. And so what the Course started getting me to do was to start to see that and then start to learn how to rest. And I mean that. What does that mean to rest? To rest into the love that's here for me and for everyone. I just think it's fantastic what you're doing. And um, I'm sure we'll, we will definitely be in touch more, um, more and more yeah. about this and about you. And um, yeah, really good stuff, Ryan. And um, I know Ryan, do you, what's Ryan's information that we can give out to our. Well, heel squad. Ryan's. Instagram is waking up with Ryan. You got to follow him. His stuff is amazing. Um, That clip he was talking about earlier, I went on there the other day and I was like, what the frick? Why did I need to hear this? So yeah, his stuff just hits you right in the heart. So waking up with Ryan. Also, everything you need to know about him is on his website, which is wakingupwithryan.com. Has all the good stuff on there. And then Ryan 
also, if you guys have the Quilt app, which we had Ashley Sumner, who's the founder of Quilt, on the other week, um, he is on their run. Do you have specific days you're on Quilt? Yeah, uh, every Friday at 9 a.m., I mm. do like an interview. It'd actually be great to have you on there if you ever want to jump on. I would on. love to. When I need anything you need, Ryan, and I have some yeah. ideas for you as well when we talk off air that I want to yeah. put into play for you because uh, to help you get your work and your message out. But for Thank sure, 100%, I'm always here for you. And is it 9 o'clock yeah. Pacific? 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, we also started last week doing a little Shabbat on there at oh. Friday. We'll see how often we do that. Um, and then also, just so people know, the I still do post often on Waking Up With Ryan. But since January, I focus a lot more on the Sanctuary Challenge Instagram page. Gotcha. So on that page is where like there's already like 45 live streams. There's like a library wow. of IGTVs on there with all of that, which is where you saw. Well, where, I think where you saw that other one. So we're at Instagram at the Sanctuary Challenge and then the website where people can sign up for free and invite their crew and all is uh, thesanctuarychallenge.com. Amazing. And... Thank you for doing what you're doing. No. And thank you for spreading the work of people like myself and like my best friend, Ashley Sumner. Mm. And um, I'm grateful for her for this uh, introduction. Thank you for doing this work. Thank you for being a um, source of opportunity for people to uh, start changing their lives and see things differently. And I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Where was Ryan at WME when we were there? Yeah, right. Where's Ryan? Was Maria's agent? Yeah. Hey, Ryan Weiss, everyone, and uh, yeah, Ryan, we will we will continue this conversation for sure. I look forward to it. Okay, amazing part one of this episode. Uh, yeah, wow, Ryan Weiss, really really special guy. Yeah, um, I'm excited in part two to go over some of the other things we had talked about, imposter syndrome. Um, the feminine versus masculine energies when it comes to like... Work. Yep. And, and working. Healing. And uh -huh. healing. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much more. You guys, please, uh, if, um, if you're not already a subscriber to our YouTube channel, please take this time to do so and tell a friend. If you have, tell a friend because we really need to get our subscriptions up uh, so we can keep bringing you great content with all this amazing life-changing takeaway um uh, in the meantime what kelsey oh in the meantime you guys you can make good, good choices be nice people is it be nice people first i always forget be nice people make good choices and be present and stay tuned for part two of our interview with ryan weiss yeah Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.